Production. Recorded live.
fight you devil. Y'all be doing that evil shit. I don't like these wines. Nope. Nope. Melanated is the only thing that I like. I like Filthy parasite, parasite. I'll spoil life and they murder every night. I don't like these wines. No, I don't, nigga. I do not serve these crackers, so I says what I like. Niggas know I'm right, know I'm right, know I'm right. Power to the people, by the fuck you to the world. You see, first of all, what the fuck did you think was going to happen to that funky ass crap? Get your ass out the street and put your hands down, nigga, protesting this same damn chapter. Once again, you ain't shit in the eyes of the monster that low down, dirty ass crap. But you forget about the shit in just a little bit, go back to serving your master. Gotta get that crap. Niggas gotta get that crap. Boy, pop, pop. Another nigga just got shot, boy. Dirty cops put some lead inside a little boy. Talking all that shit. Fuck these crackers, wear them hot boys. I don't like these wines, like these wines. Melanated is the only thing that I like. I like filthy parasites. I'll spoil your life and they murder every night. I don't like these wines.
I turn the glory to Garvey, Lord of the Spirit of Dr. Khaled Abdul Muhammad, praise Harriet Tubman. Glory to Isaac Wells, Lord of the Spirit of Dr. Francis Crest Wilson. Three before the Mile Hotel, African Ancient Egyptian Power. What it do out there tonight, family, welcome to Pit on the Ground Radio, Slaughterhouse Saturday. We tell them to get it in. Who's still betraying the African Revolution? And, you know, we call it a rocket out for y'all tonight, man. We got a little couple critiques of things that have been going on in the community, man. We heard this, that, and the third. We listened to a little bit now. I got a little bit of time to wind some stuff back, get a proper critique where I can and where I, where I can't. There's a lot of bullshit going on, though. But, you know, we're going to lay it all down and let y'all know that we've been told y'all what was happening. You know what I mean? And um, so that's what, that's what it's going to do, man. Tonight is going to be we told you so. Um, and uh, we're just going to get it in. I'm waiting for all my co-hosts to come in, fill the lines going up, you know what I'm saying? Everyone, you know, I see um, sister already out there. I see the family already out there in the audience, you know what I mean? But I think that's my sister come in out there. Let's see what's going on out there. BB Fortier. BB Fortier. African ancient Egyptian power. What's good? You know, life is life. Life is good. Did you you got to check out the SETI thing for a second time? Um, check. Right. Um, yeah, I checked it. I checked it out. Um, checked it out twice. Um, second time I didn't really get to check it out the right way. I just was listening to it. I mean, just listening. And certain pieces I didn't. I didn't get to see. But um, he made a point that is uh, being contended with, but I ain't seeing no originals. I'm seeing less copies of this of this uh, the Philokinopis or whatever. I say that that's the jewel in Doctor Walter Williams' book. One of the many, I should say. I see a copy of it, but no original. The original allegedly is in Cairo Museum. Catalog, but not on display. I've seen a couple different artifacts like that dealing with the Bible. That was catalog, but not on display. You know, um, I don't know what to say about that. I just, I just say that <laughs> it was catalog, but not on display, and never to be put on display. One would think the stone that caused. Uh, you know, academia, Western academia, after 44 years, to say, oh, wait a minute, Champollion did decipher, you know, the Rosetta Stone. We was wrong after all this time. You would think that, you know, it would be on display, right? Yeah, not just a copy. You got a copy of uh, a cast that's supposed to be made from it. But not it. 
somebody, we got that email, what's the email that people went at the Cairo Museum, I asked them about that. When they fall down, they all fall down. Now, Pimp Name Polite coming back to the black people. He's back. Oswald Bates is back. Mr. Kameen. I don't trust it. <laughs> He's back. Okay. All right. The feds must be on him. Something going on. Right. That's got to be on them. I'm trying to look to see. I got to look at that video he put out again and look at the end so I can get, the, get his wife's name again. See if he got booked in the, the precinct. I don't see, you know, I want to see. Because I've seen the thing where he was he supposed to have been going to go get this money for Western Union and froze all his accounts. You know, he used two, three bank cards. They froze all of them up. And he said it's because of PayPal. The PayPal that did something. Froze his account up. His wife's name. This nigga said, this nigga said 75% of all his business belonged to his wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a cold motherfucking. Listen, what kind of shit is that? Yo, that sounds like some slick bullshit right there. That's... Well, if, if the shit go down, it won't be him. Uh, you know, he got to be out. Yeah. So she owns she. See the first one hit. I'm in that. I'll wait to see a video with her in a game. Or what not the fast got her. Because the only people who freeze your motherfucking bank account? Oh, that's the fast. Fast after your ass, they freeze your bank account. You know what I'm saying? There ain't no game on that. No bank account get frozen. Feds is on you. They want to know something. Hmm. Yeah, I'll listen because I said, now here we go. These is the shenanigans. This thing right here, man. They both look scared. The girl looks scared in the video. He looks scared. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. Forgive me. So you look scared, though. She looks scared. She ain't look, you know, she normally be kiki and cack-cacking, chipper-chipper. It was a sound of motherfucking situation going on. I, I don't want to hear nothing about this being because of racism or... You know, I don't want to hear that from him. Oh, hold on, somebody. Did somebody come in the room? Yeah, sound 
Yeah, you know, because he, you know, was done with uh, being pro-black and black power. You know, I hope everything worked out um, for him and his family with that because I don't want none of our people in the grips of the Cracker Beast. It ain't no joke. It ain't a game. So I don't wish that on none of our people per se, but, you know, I don't want to, um, I feel like, He's, like, trying to flip it, you know, put back on the red, black, and green, take off the TMT hat, you know, the red, white, and blue. Now we're supposed to be back on again. Now we're supposed to be back all together. We all, it's all cool in the gang now. Hold up. Wait a minute. Now it's, but for like when you moved to Beverly Hills, yeah, nigga, you moved to Beverly Hills. What you was doing in Hollywood? See, Mercury said that shit a long time ago. He said, yo, man, listen, man, out here, this shit gonna break. This shit'll break you out here, man. California, a different thing. You know that's a, that's a motherfucking yeah. Listen, California is a different monster than New York City. New York City is its own thing. You know what I'm saying? California, a whole other thing. But just going over there and trying to just rock right there, man. That's gonna be hard out there in California, man. Niggas got game out there. Them niggas running game. You know, New York running game. California running game the same. You know what I'm saying? California running game the same way. So you got to watch out out Nigga had good money. You know, you got motherfuckers over there with real, real money. Not to say you ain't got that here, but, mm. Yeah, you know, I I ain't gonna even say what I heard. 
got the predators back on the scene. We got to watch out, man. We got to watch out. And for the child predator mob group out on the scene, man, listen. Listen, man, you can't trust nobody who's still trusting the predators. He prayed upon our children, man. Nobody got time for that shit to be playing games. Nah, he ain't doing it. Nah. I heard them stories from them people. Mm-hmm. For real. When we talking about who's still betraying the African Revolution, man, anybody who's still perpetuating that uh, 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 Malachi, uh, L, Mel Chester Dick, Mel Chester Die, Super Chester Dope, and the rest, you know what I mean? Don't don't say that he ain't did nothing to them goddamn kids. I don't want to hear that shit. I heard them kids. I heard them people talking. Them people got touched.
because, you know, um, again, as a layperson, where I'm at right now with it, it seems to me that they don't want to acknowledge what they're claiming to have deciphered is the bastardized writings of those Melkite Coptic Egyptians and um, I guess we could call it very uh, late dynastic times. I'm talking like, uh, say, anywhere from 600 B.C. down to uh, one, you know, early A.D., right? But particularly 200 um, to, I guess they would say zero, uh, A.D., you know, the end of uh, B.C., whatever and shit. So... It seems that's where you have um, the demotic, right? And it seems to me that they, um, a lot of information has been was lost, and that these new, uh, the generations that came after, who are now also mixing with these motherfuckers, um, lost a lot of the information, and was trying their damnedest to duplicate it or, or recapture it. And so what they're saying that they can uh, read is those people, those Africans who created what is now called Greek, which they say Coptic come from, come out of a Coptic was there first or after the Greek, uh, also did the demotic. And it is this that they understand, because then there should not be 7,000 symbols with only several hundred of that that they can decipher. We're talking about two different things, and I feel like they always want to mix it up and make it seem like it's one thing. When you say hieroglyphics, it is not the same thing as saying demotic and even heretic for that matter. How do you feel about that? When I when I first heard him even speaking on the on the demotic as a um as something that could be utilized to decipher, I already knew that at the point that it was at the time period when you're saying that it was written, that it had already been traced well five five hundred to a thousand years. You know what I'm saying? had already done passed before any type of glory was seen in the land. So that means that this is a a culmination automatically of a lot of different people's languages being used up in, and basically, you know, being used up in this area that's been, well, this shit been, you know, it's just been decimated with goddamn foreigners. You know what I mean? So, you know, you got languages from everybody up there. So any time I hear somebody speak on Coptic or Demotic as being things that you can utilize to translate the metanetta, you know what I'm saying, or these hieroglyphics, the translator automatically know that you're speaking on, you're speaking in something that can't happen because they're sitting too different. 
proprietary. And then you don't have the people who speak the language able to tell you exactly what the language is. And even if it was something that came, even if it was, even if the demonic at one point in time had a um, semblance of being uh, something that could be used to break down the metanetics, after a thousand years of it being used and um, reused and, and, and you know what I'm saying, um, just uh, it's basically obliterated with with uh, foreign languages. How could you use that? I, I can't see how there's no way there's no way you can do that. Option no, it's no possible way, not to me anyway. And even that Stone, I'm sorry, Black Power. Black Power. You know, it's, it's just a hard press. It's hard press for me to think that that can happen. Now, see, this is the only thing that you could, that they can use that for is the telling of the stories of what's going on because it's a common language. This is a language that the people are going to be talking about what's happening where you get a lot of the history from. You don't get the history from all, like, you get Bible type of history off the walls. You feel me? A lot of the stuff on the walls eerily resemble the Bible. And the Bible eerily resemble it. So now I ain't saying who did what or how they did anything, but they too much read too much of life. Brother Boone, could it be because those Africans Time period. Hold on. Your phone going in and out. Can you hear me? All right, here now. Yeah, I hear a little echo or something. Hopefully, it'll clear up. If you if you're not talking, just mute your line and then you can come back in, so we don't get no echo. All right, go ahead. The late app, those Africans, Melkite Coptic traders, late BC. They wrote, supposedly, this is who wrote this on the stone, right? And this stone was of, um, I think it was Ptolemy five. This is either 196 B.C. or it's two-something. Um, family, give me, I will get back and give that exact date. But, um... The point being is that this is late. And so I'm saying this. I'm I'm saying that those Africans who wrote that at that time came up with their own shit. That is plausible. That they had lost a lot of understanding and information and passing on based upon what had had been occurring since 332 B.C. with Alexander the Beast. From that moment on, with there being prosecutions, you have the Odyssean uh, prosecution that happened, for example, where they were killing our ancestors who refused to turn over the manuscript, refused to allow them into their own. Um, temples or, or, or places of education, for lack of a better uh, phrase right now. And they were forced, uh, they were even, um, Ptolemy Laggy one started the shit 
uh, closing down all of the temples and, and places of education and passing on information except in Memphis with the traders, the Melkite Coptic traders who accepted him. And from his time down after, I mean, consecutive Ptolemies, all the way down into the Roman time, all the way down to Justine with Theodora, you don't have another African institution being built or open in public, you know, not under the cloak of dark, hidden somewhere until their time period of the Jacobite or church. You can, some could say the Hagia Sophia uh, in 537 A.D., what they taught, they were basically teachers there, teaching the Crackabees. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, it, is, it is plausible because that's the only thing that makes sense to me, and that that's the only shit that they can understand. Uh, the bastardized understanding of these black trader Africans who created the Greek language as well as the Latin language, thus what we have here today, English, uh, on that Rosetta Stone. Because they cannot, if if, if, he, if this shit is deciphered, then there should be no problem reading everything. I've been deciphered. Build me a pyramid, nigga. I ain't trying to hear shit. Okay, now. Y'all need to see, I need to see structures coming up. You know what I'm saying? I need to see this magic y'all niggas talking about. I need to see some of this magic, man. Y'all need to tell me it's magic in this shit. I need to see some of that magic. That is, that's me, personally. I like to see some of this stuff. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm saying, I, I I need to see some real, I need to see, I need to see some fruits of this labor. You done cracked the words of the God. This is supposed to be the most sacred. I mean, see, this thing, is, is to me, it's just totally weird on and on. I don't trust. I don't trust nothing that nobody's saying. See, the white man called the words of the gods because it's written in stone. It's on big buildings and shit like that. Only God can do that. So he put that shit and make it with the fuck you. Know what I mean, he he create he create the fucking story and we walk into the story and stay with the story. And not think twice about the fucking story because the story seems so so super special. Now, the, now if the story's special like that, like they say, though, let's get busy. Let's get busy. If the story's Black special, Powell. let's get busy. Black Powell, who's that? Uh, this is Brother Anthony. Oh, what's going on, Brother Anthony? How are you? I'm doing good. Yourself? Man, I'm uh, man, I'm up better than down. I'm doing good, don't you? Good to hear yeah, from you. Yeah. Good to hear from you. What's going on with you down there in Texas, see? Man, not much. You know, same old, same old. Banging on the cracker every day. Yeah, <laughs> man, already. You know, right now we banging on this this cracker information. Yes, sir. I mean, just like the cell, the queen said earlier, it just makes sense. But the problem is, like, we have Africans that have, like, information. Like, when the crackers comes to our country, you know, 
they don't understand most of our language. And once they come in, they actually want stuff in a hurry. So what is he going to do? He's not going to wait on you to actually tell him what it means. If he doesn't understand it, if he cannot relate to it, what he's going to do is going to destroy that. So when he destroy the information of what you have, then he can put whatever title he wants himself on it. And they're trying to present to it as if, okay, I've been around these people. I know what they're saying, you know, and just learn a couple of dialect, like a couple of, like, word pronunciation. And he act like he knows that kind of language. With neutrality, he doesn't know shit about it. So he can come in and act like he knows something, but he doesn't know anything. So just when it comes to the Rosetta uh, Stone stuff, it's like, how do we know that they didn't write? They themselves didn't actually, like, you know, trying to kiss some shit out on the stone and it presented to the world as, okay, this is what Africans said or this is what, you know, this is what Africans written down and I'm able to decipher it. How do we know that is true? Because we don't have an African that can read that. We don't have anybody that can actually tell us this, what this shit really means. But yeah. we have people, but we have the white man saying, well, I'm able to defy, uh, decipher that. And the question is, how? You're not an African. You know, and that that don't make no sense at all. When you read it, okay, you can tell me that you understand, but first and foremost, we don't have any African to verify what you're saying. And, and when we go back to the white scholars educational system, when when you say something and you don't have proof for it, you just a loud mouth with your opinion. It's great. Okay, we know that what you're saying, this is what you able to decipher it, but do we have the originator, the person, so who the those people, the Africans who speak the language, being able to back you up that okay, this is what he's saying, you know, he learned it from us, he said it from us, you know, this is what interpretation, what is given is accurate to what we have actually written down. Because what they're giving us is, is actually an interpretation, not the actual information. Exactly, exactly. So, so how do we know that, okay, well, you're telling me you know it, my statement. Who do you have to support your statement? I don't care if you spent like 80 years trying to decipher that. Who, what is your proof? Physical proof, because that is what a white man likes. He likes for you to actually give him reference to something. So we are in every right position to question what is given to us. And when I look at it that way, it's like, he came to Africa, he destroyed what he had to destroy, you know, because he didn't understand it, and he doesn't have time to actually, you know, want to try to understand it, because that wasn't his intention in the first place. Because nothing, anybody that doesn't look like a white person doesn't make sense to the white person. It doesn't matter how much of the time you take out trying to explain it to them they will always rationalize it based on their own understanding in comparison to their own society. That is all it is. So we can say the Rosetta Stone, you know, I understand some brothers actually out there that actually believe that Rosetta Stone has been deciphered. There's a fucking cracker who say he spent some time in Africa, you know, learning and studying from whom we don't know and who does it have to back the information what he's telling us? We don't know. He just say he decided. 
starting to compare what has been written down with your symbols with you know the English version of the symbols which you actually have now. So it means none of these people actually like make sense to me at all. That that is what I would tell like my queen every time. I was like, I understand, you know, you like the Rosetta Stone, but you know, it's just to me it just never makes sense because we have the white man going to Africa and then coming back and telling us that he's able to decipher. The problem is where I'm from in my country they speak hundred different dialects and nothing is written down. Every language is passed to us orally. You learn it from the very age. So where I grew up at, I learned like 10 different languages without having to go to class, without having to actually like read it from a book. So how do we know that what are you telling us? That he decided to write information down. And when he decided to write information now, how do we know that's accurate? Because in Africa, nothing is taught in the book. It's everything is passing to you orally. And you learn it from your surroundings, mm-hmm. those around you, those you interact with, those you trade with, those you communicate with, those you, you know, like, you see up in the street, family. So, it to me, it never makes sense when... I came here and they're telling me they were able to decipher the major nature or the major nature, whatever they want to call it. You know, how do we even know that is actually the original name? You know, so it's always just like Dr. Uh, Dr. Clark said, he said he didn't just colonize the world, the white man colonized information. That is the most important thing that actually stood out for me. He colonized what he gave us, what he wanted us believe. And how he does that? By actually putting that information through institutions, educational systems, you know, by any means that he wants the information, whether it's a lie, you know, which is always the truth, which is a lie, um, you know, but he does that by actually legitimizing the lies. That's all he did. You know, so to me, every time I hear about it, it's just kind of like, it takes me off a little bit because where I'm from, we never learn language but in classrooms. You pick it up by listening, by the way your parents communicate with you, by the people that are around you communicate with you. So how do we know even what is said, the Rosetta Stone, was actually written by Africans? Just because the stone was broken, that doesn't mean it was written by Africans, you know? And also the so-called fossil fuel or whatever they want to call it, you know, that thing is actually just like a big old host on its own. But that's like a different topic to talk about. Since we're dealing with, with the, uh, the Rosetta Stones, let's just stick with that. Um, but that this one that like, never makes sense to me when it comes to that. Because Africans are our people. Never. Nothing is freaking down. Even today... When you go to Africa, the language that is spoken, and if you ask them to write it down, they don't know how to write it down. They don't know what the alphabet are hmm. because nothing is written down. We learn it just by speaking, communicating. That's what communication is very important. 
We talk to our people, our own. We raise the children by communicating with them, by talking with them on a daily basis. So the more you interact with your children, the more information they pick up with you. And the fact, the fact is that Africans don't limit their children just to the parents, you know, the whole town, the whole village, your neighborhood, everywhere. Everybody communicates with your child. So if you have multiple language-speaking people, you best believe it. Your child is going to grow up speaking five languages when he returns, when he reads 15, when he reads whatever age it is. He's going to grow up speaking, depending on how many language-speaking people are located within the neighborhood. And if your child, your child travels or your dead child's father or the mother is a trade person that trades, Yes, the child is going to learn more language because the mother has to be able to communicate. The, the mother or the father has to be able to communicate with other people when exchanging goods and stuff like that. So when he comes back, guess what? He's going to train the child to learn other languages hmm. by not writing it down, but by communicating to the child. And and that is how I was raised. We never learned African language in class. Nothing, nobody would say he or she is an expert, like a teacher, say, okay, I'm good with this African language. I'm going to make you take a class to learn that. No, it never existed. So, so when it comes to talking about the nature, okay, great statement. How do we know? The Africans wrote that on the stone. And why is it that it's always the cracker that actually brings that up? The Africans never brought that up, and the stone was broken. And just because the stone was oh, this supposedly found in Africa, that don't mean African wrote it. Because just like... Um, was it Dr. Uh, uh, Stolen Legacy? John uh, um, uh, Jackson said, he said, everything is thought orally. Nothing is written down. Hmm. And he's dead on 100%. Nothing ever. So when you ask an African, what, well, it doesn't matter what language he speaks. If you ask African to, 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 to tell you to write like, like where I'm from, like I'm from like a small village. When you ask me, I don't know, but I can speak it. I know the pronunciation. I know what it means. But to write it down alphabetically or to find the alphabet, what it means to write, they don't know because it's, Africans don't teach that way. We learn orally. We are story people. They tell us stories. That's why the greatest storyteller is located in Africa. Uh, what do they call these people? Is it like grilled? They're actually like in uh, in their courts, you know, they're actually next to the, the, the chief or the king and stuff like that. The grill is actually the memory retriever because he and his family have all these stories, the, the civilization of Africa. So whatever region you look at it and whatever king you're serving, you know the history. 
You don't write it down. You pass that down to your children. So when your child grows up to serve the next king, they have the information from the previous king and the history of the whole country. Nothing is written down that you actually say, oh, I can go back, you know, and check word for words and check alphabetically and do this and that. Nothing is written down. So when I, it's the only when I came here, and then I saw people saying uh, that nature is actually like decipher, and I was kind of like concerned because how? Because where I came from, nothing's written down. We don't know. We don't know what A is. We don't know what B is. But we can pronounce in our dialect and know exactly what it means. When you see a bird flying up in the sky, you know what to call it. You know what to call it in your dialect. When you see a goat walking up the street, you know what to call it in our dialect. You know when you see a river, you know what to call it in our dialect. But we do not have a word for word like like letters for letters, like spellings, pronunciation, like how to write it down. Nobody knows. So what I think is well, the greatest fraud is the white man coming in, and then when he hear it, when he see the pronunciation, and they interpret what it means to them, that they're trying to write it down based on how they hear it. That's all it is. So if they come into Africa trying to learn, they're not really interesting because since the original people never have to write anything down, so how can he, a stranger, be able to actually write it down to know like what spellings actually means? Um, Brother, can I ask you a question? Sure, absolutely. <laughs> and from what you know, where did the art of writing come from? Oh, yeah. Can you hold it one second, please? What the king shared is very enlightening. Um, got me going through a lot All of right. different things. Um, Black Power Queen, can you please repeat the question again? Yes. Um, from what you know, where did the art of writing come from? Where is it? Where Where is its origins? And what people? Um, you know, that's what I mean. You know, from what people? For For the people. Uh, as to us as Africans, uh, we we never write stuff like in term in terms of alphabetical order. Um, so everywhere you find the Africans are, you can tell like everything they write is either drawing or carving on a stone. You know, it's it's drawings is one of those things that you find up in the wall. Uh, but here's what the white man never does. He never take his time to understand what is up on the wall. What we get from the wall is merely his interpretation or failure or ignorance, failing to wait to actually fully understand what that means. We can say the the, the carving on the Egyptian walls are actually, uh, you know, a representation. Okay, we don't know what it means. They themselves don't know what it means. 
But what it tried to do is try to use that um, Western influence, you know, to persuade people to say, okay, I've spent some time up here, so, you know, I know what it means. From whom? From whom? The Africans never write stuff down, like just like the English language is. Just like you write, come here, you know what it's going to come here means. Well, in Africa, nobody knows the spelling of come here in their own dialects. Well, brother, uh, again, I want to, so your answer to my question was that the art of writing originated with Africans out of Africa, from in Africa, right? Okay. Yes. I find it quite ironic that in your time, and I'm going to say at least, let's go four generations or five generations before you, that the people who gave the world writing and created it. And and we know they had paper. They wrote on things, you know, um, that that aspect of our communication, um, always transmitting things orally is as old as we are. So that has always been a form of our communication. And then our creation of putting that down or creating characters for it. Yes. It is, I find it fascinating and partly it makes me think of Chancellor Williams' work about how uh, from the time of Alexander the, the Beast to, you know, when he had finished his book, how our people had... Um, been forced um, constantly on the move, how this constant um, being on the move due to invaders and shit led to all of these dialects coming about and led to um, us strictly relying on um, the first forms of communication that we had, which was orally, as you are acknowledging right now. Okay. That I mean, this, this I was being well, like this semester last minute school, and I learned something new about language. Language is something like when two people can speak language similarly, but once they break apart, um, and then meet different people, the way they pronounce stuff changes. Stuff meaning changes. What somebody may say on the east coast is will be different from what somebody would say on the west coast. It may, you know, like the pronunciation may be the same, sounds similar, but the meaning is different. Uh, same thing. So as for us Africans, we have our drawings up on the wall. We know what a carving is. The carving is up there for representation, for the meaning, and its purpose. The Africans, it's only the Africans themselves that knows it. But here we are. We have the crack of the cancel. It didn't come in to take time. To care about what that means to you. The African form of spirituality, if his purpose was to understand the African form of spirituality, what does spirituality mean to an African? Instead of forcing his own way on wheels on the African, they would be a totally different thing. But he didn't come in to understand that. He came in 
with the mindset, with own understanding, whether he, his interpretation of the African way is for his own advantage, you know, or not, that is something that's left up to him. One of my professors was saying the interaction between the Africans and, um, you know, the European world, you know, it wasn't meant to be destructive. I was like, so if it wasn't meant to be destructive, why all of a sudden the African way of life has been suppressed? And then the European way of life has been elevated out of Africa by using what Africans have already developed, giving them different names. So what we're hearing now is not something that we can actually verify. The only thing is we have multiple people writing for the same institution that lies to us, which has been legitimized. Institution which is a lie, institution but legitimized in the public eyes. We go in, we go to school to get educated. Fine. But the, every information that we get written in Africa, our writings, our drawings, we as Africans, why, the question remains, why would African draw a bird, carve a bird on a stone, when it's easier to just simply write A or B? But do we know that? Or does that bird or leg or arm or head or something that's represented on a carving has a different meaning? So we don't know. It's only the only information that we hear is the white man telling us. I understand. I, I love that. That's why I like to, when I argue with my professor in class, I say, you telling me this person spent 40, 50 years in Africa to study, study African art in isolation by himself, trying to come up with a conclusion, what he thinks, but not involving the original people in it to actually let the original people tell him what it means. So after doing that, you write a book and submit that to the institution. Then the professor will pick the book and say, oh, this would be one of the greatest books. And they'll, you know, take that. And guess what? If the professor's been up there for 40 years, guess how many people he don't miss educated for being up there for 40 years? Mm. Because it's every semester. Each semester you got, you know, 40, 50 students. You know, for 40 years, shit, you know, you fucked up a whole lot of people. The same lies goes on. So they never actually take time. That's why I have problems this semester because, you know, I'm the type that could t- stop the class, take the class a whole different duration. And it doesn't like that, you know. It's, uh, But it's one of those things that you look at it. We never have an African. Any African, everything that a white man have ever wrote, we don't have any African primary source, which they write. They actually always ask for any writing. When you write, they always ask for primary source. Okay, what is the white man primary source about the African origin of information? A white man. <laughs> <laughs> but the problem is, he is writing about an African. An African who doesn't know what a white man says is writing about him. You know, and I would say that's a great strategy because 
We have women going to Africa who learn about African art, you know, still African arts, exotic arts, you know, sculptures, all Chanel for millions of dollars, but never give credit to the Africans, you know. And it's just one of those things that it's, he's there for his own good. It's there because he wanted to be in that position. He would say, I have one because just because he's been in Africa, there's one of my professors, he said he's been in Africa. He went to Ghana to study about oh, that Shanti history. I was like, okay, but what you're telling me now is just that you want to legitimize yourself to make yourself look good in the people's eyes that you have gone to Africa to study African history among Africans. But your interpretation that you give to the students is that you just simply want to maintain a white supremacist idea, but just somehow pretend that you've been in Africa and you know what you're talking about. You didn't go to Africa to learn about African history to come to the truth. You went in Africa just to make people feel like, okay, he's been in Africa. He got a title. He spent some time in Africa, been to some couple of countries just so he can lie, do the same shit every professor, white professor has been doing. There's no difference between. And I got in trouble for that, but, you know, I could care less about it. <laughs> so when it comes to writing, I, I, I don't think the white man himself, no, because the very same people that were supposed to be the main interpreters or the main primary source were, were resistance. We got to remember that these people will resist, will resist the white men. When they come to Africa, okay, they want to come in. There's some people who resisted the white men. Those are the ones we have to look because those are the ones with the right information. Why would they resist the white men? And why wouldn't the white man keep him alive? But he decided to kill him. You know, every African that resists the white man's dead. By from the beginning. The information, even when Alexandra invented, you know, Egypt, Ptolemy's turn, you know, all those people. All those who resisted are dead. But the question remains, why? What did they know that they don't want that to get into the hands of the white man? That interpretation that I actually need to know that about the information wasn't given to them. That they got killed. Now, when they got killed, those mediocre, whatever they want to, mediocre, so mediocre, whatever's left, decided to give the information. But how do we know the information is right? Because here's one thing we got to keep in mind just like the Egyptian mystery system is, your level, your the level that you're up in the mystery system is based on what you know. So if all the high priests are killed, killed, all, you okay? If all the high level priests are killed, how do we know the low level? How do we know the information all the low level priests are giving to the white man is accurate? You know. So to me, since nothing is written down. Even the African language itself is never written down. Uh, how do we know? How do we know that you know, the Rosetta Stone is actually 
or something that the white man actually came, brought in Africa, pretend that he came from Africa, that he was able to decipher. Uh, we have to remember one thing we got to keep in mind, too, that uh, uh, Nefertiti, Queen Nefertiti, was actually, um, when when they decided that to, to publish her image, the, uh, the archaeologists who discovered uh, Nefertiti was actually was actually uh, decided not to use her original image. He decided to use his wife's image and publish it to the world to say that's the most beautiful queen ever. Okay, but this is a German's wife and why the crackers who decided to lie to the world. And it's not only after lady that he did he was forced and then to, to return the original artifact. So these people cannot be trusted. I don't. I could care less about the level of scholarship. Scholarship here is just a title. That doesn't mean you you know the information you're saying is true. Uh, that doesn't mean you, what you're saying is actually. Uh, I I I don't trust anything what a white man presents to me because to me he's just nothing but a liar, and he has established institutions uh, to to actually legitimize his lies. Just constantly miseducating young people just coming out, being curious about stuff, you know, uh, miseducating people here and there every day and on a daily basis. So uh, that, that's one thing actually baffles me a lot. And I'm glad that uh, Brother Seti was actually um, able to bring that up, say, you know, since who is our backup, who was a primary source, okay? This is the man say he spent so much time in Africa, to learn about African history in isolation, in their lap. Why would you take somebody's art and put it in your own lap? Okay? Like you put, it, you take somebody's information and set up your own lap. Just like when they want to come with the drugs, they take it like a mouse and they put it in a lap and drug the mouse. And they come with their own conclusion. Pretty much that's what they done did. You know, they try to understand, but they will never understand because they cannot relate to the African on a spiritual level. So all they can come up with is some, you know, cliched information about what they think. What they think it is not what actually meant, what actually, you know, what it actually means and stuff like that. So... Sorry if I have taken too much of your time. <laughs> King, please. It was wonderful. And black power to you, African, ancient, Egyptian power to you for being a man and standing up in your class, classroom, or, you know, in, in, at the university for the truth. That's what it's about at the end of the day, you know. And I feel the same way. I couldn't agree with you more on that. You know, um, I don't trust it. But the time period at which all of these things happen, I'm very suspicious about it. And I'm also suspicious over the thousands of records that the Catholic Church holds to this day that comes from those um, Melkite Coptic Egyptians. I really feel that... um, the valuable things, the valuable information 
records that our ancestors have or had that have not been destroyed or in their possession. They have left nothing there. These kind of people leave nothing of value. Anything that's left behind, it's either there because they can't move it or what they already have is more surpassed that. It's okay. You know, those the, the pyramids, they're not going to move. But no. for the British <laughs> Museum to have 14 million artifacts, just one museum, 100,000 yeah. on display, uh. you know, and then the thousands of records that the Catholic Church holds in all of the churches. Italy has a museum that has one of the largest collections of our ancestor artifacts. So I'm, I really feel that it is a possibility that the Melkite Coptic Egyptians did share some information. They had to because this information they used to help construct their Renaissance period. We know that these Melkite Coptic Egyptians were teaching them. They were their professors. You know, they went over into Europe. And this is when we have their form of our understanding of the science of architecture, for example, and their reflection of that is what is known as the Gothic uh, period or Gothic construction. It is their interpretation of what they had learned from those Africans who had educated them on such things. So I do think they do have that there. But there is a wealth of information, and those peer, those writings, drawings on the wall, drawings on the wall, those pictures on the wall, that they cannot uh, remove. There is no value to them doing it that way. They're unable to decipher. You know, and them putting out this claim when they did it, I really think it was it was to push that false notion at the time that our ancestors were actually Europeans, that this now valley genius was that of Europe. No one, someone's gonna have to help me understand how the cracker or uh, um, what's the name? Volt? No, Voltaire. Yeah. How? A Volt, excuse me. How he goes in with Napoleon, seventeen ninety-eight, and by eighteen o one he has the battery, which is you know the Volt battery. Mm. Now, the Volt battery. Thanks to this great brother who uh, um, did this work, Brother Little put me on to him, called Ace, African Creative Energy. The Dajir was a light. It operated the same way the battery operates today, the volt battery. Okay. Now, there's no way he could have looked at that and put two and two together without right. there being some African involved. Because this was still there. This was still present. But so, 
Uh, sorry to cut you off, but um, but one thing we got to keep in mind is that the high level priest in in the Egyptian master systems, uh, I wouldn't say they actually uh, the one that cooperated because the higher up you up uh, in the master system, the more knowledge and possession of um, you have it at your possession or disposal, and the more it is for you. Um, uh, Less likely for it to actually compromise. On well, those, brother, uh, hold on. The time that the compromising, the time that that occurred with Ptolemy Lagi I in 323 BC, these are not the same Africans that created what we call the ancient mystery system. Okay. You know, okay. these are traitors now. Okay. Okay. We're, okay. we're talking about, and, and listen. It was only one one small pocket that broke down, and that was those priests and priestesses of Memphis. The rest stood strong, and that's hmm. a testament. Okay. Yeah. But hmm. back to the street, you know, nah. I, I, they didn't decipher it. I thank Dr. Walter Williams. For his work, I'm very appreciative of SETI for using Dr. Walter Williams' work as a foundation to build upon and to really strike down um, this claim dressed in false cloak of absolute. Because it's not. Everyone has a right, anyone has a right to question, and especially how it came about. Hmm. What happened from them 44 years that all of a sudden his translation is now uh, acceptable? Yeah. It's now legitimate. That's right. right. It's... It, uh, just like I said, he has everything to do because he, I mean, the white man has, uh, uh, what do you say? I wouldn't say influence uh, by actually legitimizing his lies by setting up institutions. And since though we put our trust in those people or the masses put their trust in those institutions, anything that comes out of or in the name of those institutions is deemed to be right, you know, accurate or credible. So they never actually tend to ask me other questions because, you know, for you to be part of that institution to me and that you know something, you know, you have information and that you're saying is accurate and that's something I find uh, totally nonsense. So I'm going to say, like, stupid in the, in the other hand because just because they come up from that popular institution or the institution that carries a title for being around for too long, that doesn't mean it's accurate, you know. They have mastered that arch and by just um, lying to itself. So <laughs> it's, it's, I'm really glad that I was supposed to listen to uh, Brother Seti, you know, just to destroy all those things. Yeah, it's it's on one hand, you know, on one hand, it kind of gives the black person, you know, as black, as black people that we have hope, we have 
finally understood, you know, what those drawings actually mean. But on on the other hand, there's still suspicions need to be raised about how does the crack being able to actually understand those things if they already kill of those who resisted, you know, the white man's coming to Africa and stuff like that. Just like um brother or what is his name, Ares resisted, you know, during the Ptolemy or whatever during the era, you know, he got killed or something like that, if I'm correct. Um uh, mm-hmm. that is one thing we gotta keep in mind. It's like what does this brother know? That he doesn't want that information to fall into that white man's hands. That that it the meaning itself will actually, you know, will be the downfall of the white um, of the Africans, which in actuality, um, I think uh, the Africa didn't fall, uh, like like from just straight up, not downhill. You know, it happens gradually because there were resistance, and it's all based on the level the the level of priests, not different priests, no different information, you know. And uh, so, the more up you want to know, the higher up you move up in the ranks. So that actually delays Africans, you know, completely uh, civilization from collapsing. But so. Uh, this white man realized he doesn't need the truth to do his job. He just need, you know, to lie to the people. He did that, you know. So most of the information that we know may be accurate. Most of them may not, but we still don't have anything to back it up to say this is what truly what Africans mean that they say it means or it stands for. So uh, I think we got to rely on common sense, you know. Um, I just want to say the to the family the Rosetta Stone was uh 19 excuse me um 196 BC um with Ptolemy 5 and then the stone of Canopus was um 238 BC with Ptolemy the 3rd um Euphrates which is interesting that the oldest the earlier stone is found later and the earlier stone is what's supposed to help decipher the latter instead of that working the other way around, which it would naturally. Yeah. And I just want to know if there's any other family member on the line that want to um, add in, you know, just because I don't want to um, monopolize it either here. A BB for Hodier. If not, we will continue on. I can't until they rest join in. I I don't I can't see who's online right now. I don't know where Brother Born. I'm happy to Brother Born, but I'm sure he's about to come back in. Okay. Oh, I have my queen up here with me, Samantha. So she about to introduce herself and say something. Hello, everyone. How are y'all tonight? Uh, African ancient Egyptian power to you, sis. I'm Blacktastic, and yourself. I'm good. Thank you. What would you like to um, speak on or contribute to this conversation tonight? Oh, I just want to introduce myself. Is that okay? Oh, that's wonderful. Always glad to have new family join in. And you being the queen of Anthony, 
Uh, Brother Anthony, I, I already have, um, I want to say high expectations, but I, I'm I'm confident that um, you're like us in terms of um, looking open to the truth and, um, you know, not being afraid to also speak it in the face of uh, deception and lies. Because uh, the more people we have like that, the better we're going to be in the long run. Yeah, I agree. So did you check out the SETI thing? Are you up on that? Um, um, are you talking about the debate? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I started watching. He posted some videos online, but I started watching it. I haven't finished the whole thing, though, but I will pretty soon. What did you think about it so far? Um, I agree with a lot of the points he's saying. And by the way, how do you feel about Seti and also um, Young Farrell? What is your opinion on them, if you have one and you care to share it? Um, I'm sorry. I, I can't think of anything right now. Uh, how long have you um, been familiar with them? About a year. Okay. And what prompted that? Was it um, Anthony or was that on your own or a combination? It, it was um, It was on my own. Okay. So how do you feel about where we are as a people right now? Do you have, a, you know, what are your thoughts on where we are as a people? Well, I feel like we're not. We're still not uniting because it seems like we're just we're more focused on money instead of actually um, coming together as a people, becoming unified and stuff like that. I, I agree, and I want to first also commend you on. Um, coming into this on your own in terms of SETI and Young Farrow and information, period, information that we normally don't get or didn't get in school or if you're in the university that you would not get for the most part in that setting. We need more young women such as yourself because it is a fact that um, when you have children or if you do have children now, you are that child's first teacher. The father definitely, I would hope, would also contribute in that. But for that child, whether male or female, the mother really is a crucial role. And I'm going to say, without any kind of uh, uh, gynecology uh, information right now, that it's that nine months. It is that nine months. Um, in in the womb, in the black heaven of the woman, that this relationship forms. And that, again, I feel applies to both the male and female child of that African woman that she gives birth to. 
So I'm really proud that you are um, opening yourself up to information, particularly information dealing with our identity, our history, our our past, our culture, because that information is going to be crucial for our present and our future. So I just, again, want to commend you for that. Thank you. And, Brother Anthony, I want to commend you for selecting such a queen. That's important as well. Thank you. <laughs> you know, it's this path that we actually choose to be on. You know, we can't have any other person that's different-minded, you know, that have, like, different view of how how to approach the same problem. Um just like uh, Brother Pharaoh and Brother Teddy, I actually admire what to do. What I'm just hoping not to happen is to look at the black struggle or the situation that we're in as a uh, form of what? Income. Uh, you know, to get itself set it up. Just like uh, Polite did. Polite came in as the black struggler. Okay. But to me, it just seems like he's in it for the money. And in, when people say money change people, I would say money don't change people. Money reveals who you are once you have it in your hand. And what he's doing is actually the money's revealing what his fantasies has been all about when he never had anything. So he never had anything. So he looked at the black struggle as a form of getting to that platform. Why all of a sudden get up there and say, I'm not pro-black, but that's what you used to be. I called a white man a cracker, redneck. But he wasn't that initially. What was that? He wasn't that initially. But to me... He didn't have a problem initially with white people. It wasn't until... That defeat with Seti, because that was that debate was about, you know, was a white man the devil? His position was no, that black people are just as much as the devil than white people. You know, you got to worry about your own people. You know, yeah. um, what was that? It, he used to have the, the saying that I couldn't stand. That was so self-hating. In the, in the, yeah, black people was our worst enemy. It was oh, the- thank you, brother born. Right on time, King. As usual, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are our own worst enemy. That was, that was the title of the debate. Was the white man the devil, or are we our own worst enemy? It's huh. The white man ain't the devil. The black woman is God, and we are our own worst enemy. So that only leaves one person. The black man is the devil. Yeah, but but here here's what I have problem with though. Okay. In in the dictionary term, in a white man definition of devil, how do we define a devil? Because the devil, by definition, is is a devaluer, somebody who devalues life, somebody who, in fact, you know, doesn't value life and stuff like that. Okay, and um, by looking at the context, that let's look at this breaking down in the essence that. Okay, by the definition, a devaluer. 
Oh, that's in valley life. But do you need, the question is, would somebody who knows himself value life or devalue life? Here we are. But when we base uh, what, what we call people devil based on those definitions, but we have to understand that the black man, by nature, wouldn't fit in that category because what the black man represents or reflect does is a reflection of his environment, the condition that a white man puts him in. So we can say black people kill their own on the street, drug money, violence, gang banging. Well, it's one thing for a black man to gang bang, for a black man to sell crack to another fellow black, black mother just because he needs to feed his family. Okay? But what are the conditions? Who designed those conditions that we find ourselves in? Who designed those conditions under whose mercy us as black people have found ourselves in? Because if, if you look at it, the black man is not in charge of the white man's life. The black man does not determine what neighborhood that the white man lives in. The black man doesn't determine whether drug flows into the white neighborhood or not. The white man has institutions. He has power over politics, the police, the army, you know, the government, the mayor. We may have a black mayor that run our town. Let's say he is a representative. That man has nothing but a symbol. What goes in and out, the route that controls everything, the livelihood, which I like to refer to as the nucleus, is still in the hands of the white man. So we can have a black president, we can have a black mayor, we can even have a black prime minister. No, it doesn't matter because they're very nucleus. All the navigation, what keeps the city alive is still in the hands of the white man. And there's always going to be any consequence, however they want to portray that leader to the people by crisis. Crisis is engineered. It's control. You control crisis. You control people. Crisis is engineered by man, by nature. <laughs> Nobody will just get up and say, I want to eat. If somebody wants to starve you to death, best believe they're going to starve you to death. You can ask the Iraqis. You can ask what's going on in Yemen. Yemen people didn't wake up and say they don't want to eat. They get starved to death. So the condition that people find themselves in and the behavior they, they reflect based on those conditions is all based on the engineer, someone who engineered those conditions. So I wouldn't say the black man is the devil. The white man is the devil and will always be the devil because he is in control. If you stand against them, best believe you get it shot down. Who got the police at his disposal? Who got the army at his disposal? Who controls the trade, the market, the corporate stuff, you know, the pharmaceutical industries? All those things are actually enhanced. Who controls the media? So when we talk about the devil, the black man can never be the devil. We are just simply changing the image that have been put on us by the white man, willingly. 
have you seen that lecture about that debate? Uh, about with Seti and Seti. Polite. Uh, I I haven't, but uh, I read a couple of comments, stuff like that. I need to watch the whole thing. I think you but, have to. It was excellent. Um, I know at this too? point in time, I fell in love with the general, and I don't mean, you know, he is a very handsome man on that level too. But I mean, just as being an African warrior. A champion, yeah. Following under the footsteps of Dr. Khalid Muhammad, following the footsteps of them, it was really a thing of beauty. It was an awakening moment for me, just like the Eileen Bay lecture. I'm, I'm serious; these debates they were awakening for me. Yeah. Okay. And I, I... you will see how. Said he was well read. Yeah. You you see how he had put in the time. Hmm. I don't know about how Brother Bourne, um, you know, wanted to express how he felt about it, but I know those two right there. Um, General was incredible. That's when definitely was calling. See, naturally calling him the general. <laughs> That's the whole point. It's incredible. You, you you just can't get a title of general just just because you feel like you're in the title. You gotta earn the title. It was well. It was long overdue, and the manner that he did it was it was how okay. I grew up around five percent. They would do this thing where they would build in the cipher. And it was that kind of thing. It was that kind of uh, testosterone, like you see in hip hop. Um, that that's how the information needed to come. Um, and I, you know, you you can well, you will see, you will immediately make that connection, feel that connection, just off of the delivery and the energy and the language that the brother uses as he's dropping that information. Okay. I, I, when, when did the um, the debate happen? Because I think I might be at school when it happens. So that didn't happen. It's on YouTube. Just put it in. Oh. Was it last week? Mm-hmm. They did it um, last Sunday. Uh, oh, I got to get off there. Are you talking about, the, talking about the Medinetta thing? No. Was it a SETI? And, uh, a SETI versus Polite was 2013. I remember I was there. Oh, was it 2013? 2013. It's online. I was. I remember. Okay. Brother Vaughn, you uh, want to share a little bit with the brother? Oh, uh, no. You know, it's not. Oh man. I, if I share, the only thing I can share, I have to start talking about what he going to see. Is is you would understand why if you're looking at a pimp named Polite, why he's why he's at the point where he's at right now. Okay, okay. You'll see, you'll see exactly why. Because he already let you know this is this is his background. This is where he's coming from. So you know this, you know where he's going. Boom. Yeah. You see, that that's one one thing that actually always bothered me. It's like when 
when when I watched the video, then when, when he says the reason why he's no longer pro black, it just sounds as like somebody who had like a fantasy of being successful or being rich, you know, or being famous, but actually never know the way how to get up there. So to me, it seems like he saw the black struggles as an opportunity, a platform. So once he gets to where he needs to be, he just feel like, okay, well, what is the point of me being pro-black? You know, it's, it's outdated. What What is it about the black struggles is outdated? So to me, to tell me you're no longer pro-black, you're telling me the black struggles are outdated. And it's our fault. But we don't, we're not the one actually in charge of our crisis. The condition that the black men find themselves in. Who owns most of the jobs? Who does most of the hiring? When you go to a job interview now, they'll tell you they want references, okay? They want letter recommendation, okay? What about the brothers actually being locked up for not having anything to do with the crime they've been locked up for? So for me, it seems like they've been scratched from the beginning. You come out, you can't get a job because they, by the time you get out, they have these jobs that say, well, we need a letter of recommendation. We need a couple letters. We need references. Well, this man has been two, two, three, five years in penitentiary. Never learned any skills. The point of going to prison is because they deem you to be unfunctional or you're not providing any, contributing anything to society. So when you go to prison, well, I think prison is supposed to be a place where your skills is discovered and nourish and nature. So when you come back to society, you be a functional to be able to contribute to society. But it's like quite the opposite. You go to prison, they don't teach you about computer. They don't care about what you're interested in. They don't care about what you want to become. All they care about loaning you on a farm for you to work for the corporate in America. They use you, transfer you from farms to farms, from farms to farms, five, six, seven, ten years, and you get out. You come back from square one. You can't get a job. You got a family. And the same people that lock you up, put the felony on your ass. So you go to get apply for a job. They top you in, name me. Guess what? The name pops up. I mean, if you used to be a drug dealer, what do you expect me to do? I would go back to push it the same side I got locked up for because I can't get a job. And this is not coincidence. This is not something that happens, oh, just by, no. This is deliberately orchestrated, designed, engineered, if you want, if, if if I want to use that word. Because if if you want to affect people on a mass level, you engineer them. You put laws in place, how society is supposed to function, versus what happens if you didn't fall under the normal category. So our problems is not coincidental. It's not something that happens out of the blue. It's not that we don't like to follow the rules. What you get now is simply, it's, it's, it's like the, what you get out is what you put in. Okay? So well, that's what the why? That, that's an American lie. That's a cracker lie. Okay? But, but, and but, in terms of following rules, see, I, I have a whole problem with that anyhow. Because how does the criminal, I mean, a low-down, dirty criminal. I mean, uh, a criminal unmatched, unhurled in humanity. 
have the right to now set rules and I, tell the I, people I, that he have victimized have broken all kind of rules the very, the very rules that he have set be broken to get into power and now tell yep. these people you got to obey Dordashi. <laughs> He he he's the calm man, the calm man who he, he calmed the whole world. That's what he did. Doctor Clark says something beautiful as well. You had brought up Doctor Clark earlier. Another yes. quote that I love of Doctor Clark is, "How do you uh, keep a people enslaved? You educate their children." Yeah. And that is what he has done, along with with. The other quote that you mentioned with Dr. Clark of Dr. Clark about colonizing information, that yes. and the education of those that you have colonized and conquered will keep you in power. Yep. Yep. And um, I, I actually recently read a book about the Grand Chessboard. That tells me a lot about how the white. Thing, how his idea, how you perceive it. Um, just like that, he didn't only only colonize information and miseducated you. He destroyed your very own identity, your God, the God that you looked up to. Whether the God is a black woman. The, the, so to me, the question remains: If the black man and the black woman are in God. Then why does the white man work so tirelessly to destroy that very same image? At the same time, elevating his image. Because when you, when you, when when, you, when American one look at, present you the picture of God, his blonde eyes, uh, blonde hair, blue eyes, Caucasian, pale skin. That's what it presents to you. But when it comes to a black person, he's quite the opposite. He is the criminal. He is the devil. He is the drug dealer. I mean, nobody do drugs more than the CIA. Nobody smuggling drugs into the country more than the military. If you haven't heard about this, I want you to look it up. It's called the Golden Triangle. Yes, I've heard about it. Okay. It's, it's one of those things that's kind of like make you question the integrity of the person, the same person who's trying to, to make sure that you have integrity, but he himself never had integrity in the first place. You know, it's kind of well, like... Brother, before <laughs> we even get there, I mean, really, the Mayafa was enough for me. The hundreds of years of chattel, brutal enslavement, that that was enough right there. Long lost integrity a long time ago. Uh. That just adds on to, for me, what you mentioned, like the Golden Triangle as an example, or what we did yeah. have later on today, uh, the crack shit that came out with Maxine Waters and that um, journalist who I think was murdered, but they want to say killed himself, Gabby Webb, out of Cali. Um, that just adds on to the fact that they have no conscience. There no. is no redeeming no. factor in them. 
you know, yeah. their obstinance to uh, reparations to our people is an example of that. You know, mm. again, at the same time, they have no problem having like millions of artifacts that they know they stole out of Africa. Yep. And I'm talking now the entire continent. They have no problem with that. France, Germany, Great Britain, Italy, Belgium, Russia, Sweden, you know. Nobody has a problem. The continued raping of the continent of its natural resources, knowing how you got the wealth to do that, Right now, there's no pause, no integrity, no conscience. There, we don't need no more examples, do we? Uh, uh, that's just about it. It's it's to them. They don't they don't care about and other people. You know, it's about us, and we have to remember that. In Africa, we have resources. Oh, that all the stuff that we have in our possession, that it it's kind of like we have it, so you know we don't feel the need to destroy. He where the white man come from? He never had shit. So when he have it, you you can tell when somebody's been hungry, and you let him out, and when he see food, he's trying to get as much as possible. In his possession, whether the person is full or not, you don't mind if the person is full, it, because he has been starving for so long. He just want to compensate for what, how he, how long he be hungry for, you know. And, and that's what we're saying in, in, in Africa today. We have all these natural resources. It's not that African didn't know about gold. It's not about African didn't know about diamonds. It, 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 they don't see it as a means of profit. They see it as a means of um, status, if, if that makes sense. Because where I'm from, gold is used to trade. Um, back in the days, they used gold to trade. But mainly, the gold represents a symbol. Your natural resource represents a symbol, like a status. That is why you see African kings dressed in gold. Their their shoes in gold. They got gold stuff, chains, necklaces, shoes, the swords that hold in the hand. It's all in gold. It's not for it's not for what. It's for symbols and status to show that this tribe is 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 worthy. It's rich of natural resources but not for profit. But once the European comes in, it's quite the opposite for him because he never had. Just like Dr. Clark said, Europe was in, 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 in internal turmoil 
Those are those who left Europe and said for better work with criminals, with low-life savages. So just imagine a low-life savage living in Europe, one, in religious dispute, and end up in a country where, where the people actually just have all this possession. But no, they claim not doing anything with it. Don't know how to use it for market. That tells you the mentality, the white society, that the white leaf, if the white people live among themselves, they feed on their own people. So when that that can no longer continue, what do they do? They extended that greed to other people who actually come in contact with. So when it comes to Africa, they say the African dress themselves in gold, the king, the chiefs, you know, the queens dress themselves in gold, the golden stool, the golden chain, the sword, stuff like that. They thought these people were just crazy. Not knowing the meaning of it. So these people didn't use themselves as a prophet, rather symbol to represent Something. The European, the, the, that is why that, that is why we have all these European corporations in Africa digging all the whole continent of Africa. Look at Congo, and when we look at Congo, when you look at um, what is this called? Guinea, uh, West Papua, the diamond mines. You know all this stuff going on. You know. So to them, it's all about profit. It's all about what can I get for myself? Because in Europe, we got to remember, individualism is present. That's why you have a small family being so successful. You have a small family feeding their own family at the expense of other people's family. And also, too, brother, they have a low fertility rate. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, we don't have the same kind of uh, physiology at all. Our anatomy and physiology is completely different thanks to the advent of melanin. But I want to also share another um, quote from Dr. Clark. You had me thinking when you was talking, what you was just speaking on just now, because the thing that our people, um, you know, this thing of the Medunetta, when I think about this, this is a debate that is really, what value does it bring us as a people? The same thing as the one that they had with evolution. These seem to be... uh, things that are of importance to Western academia. They have nothing to do with our immediate problem. And getting to the thing what Dr. Clark said was that the European does not understand fractions. He don't know how to share. Yeah. He don't believe in, you know, yours and mine. He won it all. <laughs> and that is the behavior that 
has been on display since their appearance. And there is no need to doubt that. That, that. that is what we're dealing with. That is the reality. And now, how do we counter? And so these, these are things that there should be a debate about or a lecture or a discussion on, you know, um, if the metanetta was deciphered, the fact is, I can't see how Dr. Clark wouldn't have a book about it. Yeah. That's I can't right. see how he wouldn't have had a lecture on it. Hmm. That was monumental. Yep. And he has a wealth of knowledge, not just about one dynasty, but all of that history, and then the history as a whole, and then European, you know, world history in general. Okay, so for those who want to say that you can't know African history without knowing the Medunetta, though they never show you how knowing the Medunetta will help you know African history, because then how do you explain people like Dr. Clark? Yep. How do you explain Dr. Ben? How do you explain Chancellor Williams? And so on and so forth. And those those people, are, because they are the greatest African scholars, and it is, in fact has been deciphered, they should be, they, 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 they would have talked about it. They should have written a book about it. They should have at least given a lecture about it. But we have no lecture, no information, no book written about it, yet it's this, this, this so-called um, measure is uh, is in existence. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some people that actually dedicate their whole life into African history, and and it, and it influenced out of Africa. So they're not, they're not only dealing with it, how African history shaped the world, but but how outside influence can mean and influence get information from Africa and take it out. But the African influence in the world history, into the European, how the African history influenced the European. Yet we have no information about, oh, these people deciphered nature. And they would gladly to brought it up to that. This is the primary source. This is the people that back it up. This is the Africans that actually support me. Nothing. It's just a goddamn low, dark, boot licking Jew that I came up saying. He deciphered because he spent some time in Africa standing the stone with inscription on it, and we accepted it. But that's the crazy part. When you find out that, as said he brought out in his presentation, Champollion never went to Egypt. Well, they say Champollion he went after he had he deciphered it. He allegedly deciphered the Rosetta Stone. Then went to Egypt after the fact. That's what. Thank you for that correction. But that the point remains. He Wait. wasn't there oh. when he deciphered it. Well, he wasn't there. No, Not he when was... he deciphered it, right? No, he was at home. So how did he know? Because he allegedly understood the Greek. So it's the understanding of the Greek. He was supposed to find names in the Greek. 
and then start matching it up with this uh-huh. See, there's one that always bothered me, bothered me when it comes to European references. They either make a reference towards the Greek or Latin. But just what we have to understand, the Greek language and the Latin language supposedly I mean, those people got got influenced by African languages, right? Allegedly. But African languages. So if they make references to those things, but don't have any primary source to back it up. Because any time you make an argument, the uh, in 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 the European uh, educational system, they say, "What is your primary source? What is your references?" You know, but he, but here we have we have people that are actually making claims that have no primary source, yet <laughs> they claim that they spend some time. That's one thing bothers me. Like you, just because you spend, you can spend. Didn't Moses spend like 40 years or 80 years in Africa? And everything he gave from Africa was exactly the same thing that he put in the Bible. Just change the meaning, different phrases. If Moses spent 40 years, if we take 40 years to learn the African language, not only the language, but the knowledge on different levels. And it took him 40 years. So how long would, why would it take this cracker spending some time in, just by studying these stones in, in the lab and claim he's able to decipher the language? Because, oh, go ahead. Okay, I was just going to add the, but because in that time, when we first understand more than spend some time in Africa, he spent 40 years or whatever, how long, 80 years, whatever he may have spent up in it. Lane and the Ten Commandments that he came out with. But we already had something already that predated Ten Commandments. And he spent 40 years. Not only gain the Ten Commandments, but all the knowledge. To be able to just to come up with the Ten Commandments out of those, what? Is it 42 or something like that? For, uh, for, for the loss of my eyes? And then he came up saying, so that you, you telling me if it take more than 42 years to be able to come up with those Ten Commandments, out of the, the the one that already predated him, how long would it take his ass to interpret the imagination? Well, if he when he dead, he probably would be able to decipher it. Take him for hours. So to me, I just here's no, the man. like this is little. Huh? You know what I'm saying? This example, and it's a word. And Ebonic, which is the priestly language, 
If I told you I needed some cream, you know what I'm saying, you would understand that it meant money. But in layman language, it cream, if I said that shit like that, might mean some shit you put in your coffee. And down the line in history, the only thing that they're going to have written down is cream mean coffee. Only the initiated ones going to know it means something different. And that's the same thing. If you're not there with the people who could change in the construct and building it, then you're not going to be able to understand their thought on a symbol, which is more than just a phonetic sound, but is an idea that it captures more than just one word, but it captures a number of thoughts. Okay. That was an excellent example, Brother Boyne. I love yeah. that. Well, thank you, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. I might run that right there. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, uh, you, Brother Bone, uh, will you mind repeating that one more time again? Now, so it's just like, you know, the word cream is an idea. You know what I'm saying? Now, if you went... Uh, a hundred years from now, 150 years, you look in a dictionary, the word cream going to mean, they're going to, more than likely they're going to have this definition, a definition that means uh, something that deals with milk and it's something that you might put in your coffee you know, mm-hmm. or some shit like that. But I've, I highly doubt that in a standard dictionary, English dictionary, will they have cream and the definition be money. Yeah. <laughs> that's one that's right. That's the, that's the priestly language. That's the Ebonic. That's our language. Yeah. And the only way you would know what it meant to us was to be here at the time that we had that expression. Because this mm-hmm. is something that shit changed all the time in the priestly realm. They always yeah. updating always going to be upgrading. So I doubt yep. the expression of a symbol stayed the same anyway. I, I think that they would always advance the expression. Mm. Mm. Yep. So I don't think that it would never stay the same. I think it would always no. be advancing. Always Ever. for the better. Never yep. always. And that that is absolutely true because I heard like the phrase in my biology class uh said it's that information is uh at always like constant takes uh state of flux, which is it's always changing. What well, we know the meaning what it something means right now, maybe ten, twenty years from now wouldn't be the same thing. You know, it's going to be uh direct opposite of what it means. So those People that actually at present state try to uh, convey information to suit their condition or the present moment, not necessarily what those who have gone before them, what it means to them or what they know, but rather what they think at the present moment. This information is constantly updating, you know, how can we translate that in that effort to know? to pick it up quickly. 
that's why the Bible have different versions, you know. They say they have the Old Testament. They say they have the New Testament. What is it in the Old Testament that's different from the New Testament? If it was actually supposedly written by the same man, you know, actually not written, which is actually written by the man, but, but the idea of God doesn't change because he's all-knowing. But here we are. His idea, his stand, his position is constantly changing into different versions. So, just like you said, that all. They change information to suit the environment. They carry state of crisis to pacify the masses that all is about. Who knows? 50 years from now, they'll come with a different version after the Old Testament. You know, and, and, and it's just that we can look at the Bible and just say, well, this this be going on. We have the Old Testament, New Testament. Supposedly, if it's, it's actually quite the opposite. So, I actually like your uh, example. <laughs> have anything to add? No. Uh, you know, we say, we just got to look at this shit the most simplest way. That's my thing. I'm just trying to see this in the simplest way. And, yeah. And if it don't make sense in a simple way, then I know the complex way they capture each other to me, it definitely don't make no sense to me. I mean, you know, you got to look at, you know, you got to look at the fact that, like, you know, this is, if you learned how to, say, what what they call a transliterate, to just be able to figure out what the, not know what the meaning is, but just be able to figure out how to spell the word or whatever, whichever fucking one. Mm-hmm. Whichever one of those slick, fancy-ass words it is. Anyway, all right. If you learned how to do that, still, even if you got that, got the word, where you're only going to get the consonants, even if you got these consonants, who is there to be the key to tell you what that shit means? Hmm. Even if you find out how to match letter for letter to get the sound of, or not even get the sound, but just to get the, to, to get the English rendition, because that's what you're doing. You're getting the English rendition of the word. Yep. So in order to get the English rendition, you know, even if you get it, who is there to tell you the definition? What that means? What does that? What does the word mean now? Yes, sir. This is crazy. It's crazy. These people constantly switching up on information, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, and now what they do is they they put the letters. See, this is what they do. They get the content and they put vowels in there to make it sound like words that are in African languages. Hmm. It changed up with the white man put the vowels and make them new vowels and let's see, it sound like this. Ooh, yep. 
Remember they were trying to convince us one time and um, telling, telling us that, oh, man, what word was it? Brother Dondre had to bust their head on it. can't remember now. Wernetta? Oh, was it Netta? It was, it was something. He got like, the dictionary? Yeah. Yeah, he was getting his dictionary, the one, um, it was written in what tongue? It was written in a different tongue. Um, he's going to find uh, it, though. I can, I think. Was it I can? Yeah. Yeah, I was in I can this year. And he was like, yo, I got one. My, my wife's speaking. Uh, Scrolling busted out where it wasn't even existing. What? Uh, see? Because the watch these with this, you know what I mean? They can't admit to nothing. I'm going to find trouble. I'm find a little place to post I'm sounding crazy. Oh, my bad. I said, yo, you can, you know, you ain't got to worry. You don't have to worry about them. They looking for trouble. You're going to find it, poking a bear. So... I'm waiting for the bear, a.k.a. Walter Williams, to grab this work and ride dollars. <laughs> I'm excited. I got to tell you, I'm very excited. Looking mm-hmm. forward to it. He well, already, my... as, as you say, ragdoll him. He already done did that. He's going to ragdoll a new book. Oh, yeah, that's right. hmm Nobody want to deal with the history of a subject. You got to tell me who you're dealing with, who the authority is on the subject. Did Raketty Amin say on the show that she went to Chicago Oriental Institute? Yeah, that's her spot. No, I'm just saying, did she say that on the show? Let me not say. Let me not be definitive. I could have sworn in the beginning of the show she gave her background. Hmm. I'm going to listen to that show again. In fact. I vaguely remember that, but I I can't be sure. Well, she did, though. She died. That's wonderful. I had took notes. My camp, I don't know where I did with those notes at the time. But, so I'm going to listen to the show again anyway to get, you know, take those notes again. But, you know, one thing was clear. She she made it. She had no choice but to admit that when it came to the picture graphs, you know, that had not been deciphered. She made a distinction. Mhm. You surely did. So she knows she couldn't go through. They had cracked the code on all that. That been academically dishonest. Huh. 
Yeah. 
don't know if it's getting warmer, getting colder. Uh, all I know is that the times are strange. I'm waiting to see after tomorrow whether or not it starts being more light outside. That's my that's my whole thing. That's the only thing that I look I look for during the year, and I know if we going if we still moving forward at least through space. You know if we still got time on the planet. Is I look to make sure that after the 25th that the, the sun rise a little bit. I mean the sun set a little bit later. Every day. It's uh, about August. Excuse me. It's about August. Then it starts going down. Down, 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 down to it gets to where you're at the point where it's getting dark at 430 and shit. Even though the, um, them doing the Italian changing the time over here bothered us with that, but it's still that's the reason why they they did that. Messing around. Y'all, oh man. Did y'all watch that video? Did you watch the video that I shared? The um uh, shit with Chuck E. Cheese up there. Yo, you can't watch it. You can't watch it? No. What? I'll see if it's reposted again, but <clears throat> I went on it. Nope. I said this must be a good one, too. Damn, y'all. Oh, man. Listen, that shit. Woo. Yeah, that shit right there was like, no. Black Power. Oh, what movie is that again? Yeah, um, hold up.
After watching that shit, you wouldn't want your kids wearing no purple and green, nothing. Not together like that. Uh, I'm not here, though. It's working? Yeah, it's working. Okay. Good. Yeah, you in the FOG back room, right? Yo, Anthony. Hey. You in the FOG back room, right? Uh, yes, yes, sir. Yeah, I'm on it. All right, so I'll just, I'll just put it in. The, I'll just put it back in. All right, all right. No, yeah, y'all listen, y'all. I'm telling you, every once in a while, man, you find a white, we find a white motherfucker who, who listen, they got time to be sitting in there, uh, putting shit together. And they, and they mm-hmm. fuck with white people, y'all. It's crazy. Shit is crazy. Hmm. Mm-mm. I, I gotta watch it. I'll probably watch it tomorrow morning when I get out. I'll be the first one out, dude. And also, um, for uh, Brother Seti and um, uh, Polite, um, uh, uh, debate is a possibility to post a link up in the FG. Oh, all right. Hold on. Yeah. That would be a lot easier. So I thought when I've been looking stuff on YouTube, I can't find it, so. Mm-hmm. All right. Appreciate it. All right. No doubt, no doubt. Let me, let me do that real quick. Yeah. Yeah. The great debate. <laughs> yeah, that's what they call it, the great debate. Righty. Is the white man the devil or have we become our own worst enemy? Nah, that right there. Anybody, I would say that information right there, anybody with one common sense, logic, being able to see through the trap, you know, and the condition that a black man finds himself. It's a lot easier to, to blame the black man for the condition that he is actually, you know, what he's doing to himself. But it's quite the opposite to look at it, how that condition came into being. Would his condition be different if he's allowed to grow, to develop on his own, into what he needed to be, instead of being confined or, you know, trying to direct his uh, his energy and also his destiny? Because here we are. We have most of the black people that are destined to have to be in the hands of the white man. Because of the condition that they find themselves in, you know. You got rather than living up in the project. You go trying to get a job so you can get a job. It's not like they don't want to hire you. I mean it's not like they don't you know, they don't they're not hiring they hiring, but you know, it's just the fact that, you know, 
they decide if they want to hire you. A black man is not allowed to own his own business, to hire his own people to work for him. And let's just imagine if all black people, black town, have his own business, hire black people, would the condition our people in today still be prevalent? Because we are there as a missile and edge to the white man. We go to prison not because we're criminals, because we need to make profit for him. You know, we are at his mercy. He uses us whenever he wants to, whenever, wherever, at any given time. He can find a reason to do that. So we are in, in, in an environment that we are not in control of. That's what my grandma used to say. She said, never find yourself in a situation or environment that you're not in control of. If you find yourself in that, you do. Because at that moment, you become, you are at the mercy of whoever is in control of that environment. And they can decide to do whatever they want to do with you. And we as the black people, we have found ourselves in a situation that or environment that we are not in control of. It doesn't matter if you are in politics. Nothing you're in charge of. We don't know the signs of trade. I mean, we do know it, but we know how we going how we going to trade in the in in the law that was designed against us. How we going to trade and be successful? If we decide to trade, we going to that we don't have to, to. We don't have to be at the mercy by doing the things that you have mentioned earlier, and your queen did. Trading amongst ourselves, you know, of getting to that point. Mm. This reality don't have to be the reality. And the fact is, is that we do have the power to change it. Take a quote from Muhammad Ali, if you believe it, some shit like that, then you can achieve it. You know, that's that's the, the our shit is our mental shit. That mental block. As seeing the cracker, like when you, with the things that you was discussing, the saying, all which were true. It just had me feeling like, okay, you know, it's as if the the the, the crack these crackers, because it's not one person, the cracker. These crackers are uh, invincible. You know. They cannot fall. Well, I I say to hell with that. Not only can they, but they shall. It's just a matter of time. Mm. That's all it is. Matter of time. Yep. But it, but this is what I have. To me, it's matter of time. That matter of time can be eighty years. It can be centuries, they can be, you know, half a century, they can be any time. Uh, 
I was uh, when I went and visited my god sister there at the time, and she gave me a book. And I was reading the class, you know, and it's it's, it's a real lucky, you know. I was like, you know, situation that black people find themselves in is not a situation designed by God. This situation is designed and engineered, carried out by man, and there's any hope that situation can only be stopped by man. You know, and God is not going to come down and just put it into our, you know, misery. <laughs> it's designed by man. And to me, I don't have 40 years. I don't have a century to leave to wait for those changes to come, you know. I don't, I don't know how long I want to leave, you know. Well, but think about that ancestor that was living in 1709. Oh, you know, in in chattel enslavement, looking for the moment that we know in terms of not being in chattel enslavement. Yeah, our enslavement is still here. Don't get it twisted. Yeah. But the 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 think of a movie set. The scenery is different. You know. The reality still the same in terms of being oppressed, but the mechanism of that oppression slightly different in appearance. You know, um, the way it's all how you look at it, King. You know, I you can look at it in terms of that, or you can look at it in terms of time already being served. Any day now. You can look at it in terms of it happening in your lifetime, or you can look at it in terms of happening in the future. Rest, just resting assured, as Marcus Garvey did, that it was that day would come. When, you know, he didn't care if it happened in his lifetime or not. That was not his concern. His concern was that retribution was going to happen. And he felt that way because he know in his own time he had sowed certain seeds. He had his words out there, which he also spoke on, knowing that they would last 2,000 years beyond him. And so far he's right, you know, so 100 years, you know, and they're still going strong. So... It's, it's really, King, how you look at it. You know, I feel you, and I understand where you're coming from. You know, I just want to share another perspective on that, yeah. too, because sometimes you can get overwhelmed with those feelings of um, it of our liberation, of just righteousness happening in your lifetime, wanting to see it. Wanting to be a part of it—that's real, and I, and that desire, um, the fact that you have that desire, is a wonderful. To me, it's a wonderful sign um, of where we are and and where we're going. You know, not to even have that would make me feel quite sad about um, our prognosis for the future. So the fact that you have that desire that it is burning, um, who knows what that may do for us? Who knows? 
who, who's to say that you are not going to be that catalyst because you have that desire of wanting to see this in your lifetime? You know? The yeah. same desire that Harriet Tugman had. Or Dessaline. You know, those desires actually cause them to do some monumental things where we're still talking about them right now, using them as lights of examples that we can actually beat our enemies, actually reclaim our place in this world, you know. So um, please, I don't want you to think that I'm critiquing um, no, no, I, like I understand. Because at the end of the day, like just, just like saying, like we all interpret stuff differently. We all see it from different perspectives. We all, you know, people don't interpret stuff. Understand? There may be stuff we may agree on, but that doesn't mean, you know, we don't have the same goal. Like the goal, the ideas that Marcus Garvey had, like fifty years, or, you know, for a long while now is. It's do the same thing what some of us are actually building on. So, you know, we may have different interpretations, but the goals are still the same. Okay. You know, yeah. none of us actually vibrates at the same rate. Some of us may, because mm-hmm. it's always successful to the rule, but we all are vibrating at different rates. You know, our, yeah. Yep. But like you said, the thing that unites us is that goal or that desire for a baby yeah. for retribution, mm-hmm. righteous revenge. You know, I, I need to see, to be honest with you, I, do I need to see it in my lifetime? I, I really do. Um, I try to, you know, pacify that ego and really think about the children you know if I want to see it in my lifetime then it is for our children you know but at the end of the day I'll be okay if knowing you know just you know knowing the seeds have been planted for our children um, to sprout and going through that transition, knowing that our BB Fahodier soon come. Same way the ancestors um, who have preceded us had those same sentiments. Dr. Clark, Dr. Ben, Dr. Amos Wilson, you know, Dr. Khalid Muhammad, Malcolm X, you off the top. Hmm. Shay. Okay. Uh, Tony, I got a question. You coming in for the uh, class with Dr. Walter Williams, January 3rd? Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. I'm reading. Yeah, I've read, I've read both of his books, but I'm, no, I'm still reading it. So in case, you know, I missed something, I got uh, to catch and stuff like that, so. Is it, is it going to be um, in the morning? No, no, no. It's going to be 
It's going to be at the regular time. This show going to be on. It's going to be on Tuesdays, 9 o'clock your time. Okay. Okay. All right. Have you seen his lectures on YouTube? Um, yes. Okay. I've seen, I watched, like, Boyce's lectures, so I believe it was, like, two hours and stuff like that. Both of them. That's because I watched the, uh, the lectures first before I even actually got the books. So, it's pretty interesting. That's the same thing, how I did it, too. Yeah. It's like I met him, like, when I started, you know, all this bullshit got about Dr. Clark, Dr. Bain, and Dr. William Chancellor Williams and stuff like that. Almost all the video I watched, and I got, like, really interesting, you know. That's why let me get the book and read what else is in the book, you know, the more you read, the more you actually, like, get excited about the information about, whoa, man. It's finally that we have, like, a lot of people that actually, you know, do their own work for the people, you know. That's European shit ain't take us nothing, but, you know, kept us in bondage. This is when a white man decides to, for us to learn and he to educate us, he decides to miseducate us. So for us, we never had any advantage at all, you know? Nothing. I'm just wondering, you know, this is something I think you had said, Brother Bourne, because I'm really curious now. I'm wondering why the fraud squad, Amirah squad, why they are pushing Western um, ideologies. It's really, I'm, I'm becoming curious now, you know. When you think about the evolution thing, you know, you say, okay. But then you come, they then come back with this another another thing. And it's like, are you being, are, is, is this on purpose? <clears throat> is this a coincidence? And, you know, I really don't do coincidences to move our people in a certain direction. Is this a distraction? I mean, it's just, it's very curious. What, uh, the abortion thing? Excuse me? Oh, can you repeat that one more time? You say, I heard something like abortion? No, um, them pushing the evolution, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, this that evolution stuff never actually. There, there isn't any physical evidence for them to back it up. W- one thing we got to remember that anus caused humans call that a white man comes off the bow. I mean, that he discovered has been discovered by the white man who has actually been curious about how he originated. 
where he came from. So by coming up with all those theories, it's a lot easier for him to give credit to aliens, to give credit to, to a monkey or chimpanzee, than actually to say the black man and the black woman is his mother and father because he has established institutions that denies. Well, Brother Anthony, I have to tell you, you got a family member on this show who would not accept that <clears throat> the quack of beats come from them. I just need to say that, you know, King. Um, but, yeah. Brother Bourne, <clears throat> if you're on the line, what is your opinion on this? Because I, I don't, I, I find it, like I said, it's very curious that this is the second Western ideology that they're pushing onto our people under the guise that this is, you know, black African power information. And after you, if you can speak on that, um, I also want to remind me to bring up the Beatle or Capra. Yeah. Uh, this is my thing. He, they Mason, they Greek and Masons and the Wapians and, and, and army, army, army people and shit like that. When you got a group of people who consist of this type of, this type, when you got this type of group together, I expect these ideologies. I don't expect nothing different. I expect this to come out of them. I expect for them to espouse these Eurocentric ideas to push whatever comes out of, of um you know, the consistent academia. You know what I mean? Because that's what they deal with, consistent academia. And so I, I, I don't I see a part of, part of what they're supposed to do. It's, this is, once I learned that they was Freemasons, and that was a while back, once I learned that, I could understand where that comes from. Now, you know, funny you say that because uh, yesterday um, I spent the time when I was in the crib listening to um, the archives. <clears throat> and you can, I, there's a difference in bistro, old bistro, as opposed to this bistro. Now, the old bistro had came on there, and he had mentioned how he had bought this book that cost $125 on the Beatle, how the crack was setting the Beatle, and how um, they had said in this book the Beatle was a test animal, um, and that was the case with our ancestors. And so it had me thinking about the jewel that you had hit me with or hit the family with about how this um, European had um, fucking with the Beatle pulled out his wing and discovered that it had uh, magnetic properties. Now, knowing how our ancient ancestors um, would definitely, uh, first of all, discover that, brought that to the world, and studied that heavily, magnetism and magnetic properties on the planet and in animals and themselves, um, it would, for me, um, where he wanted to say, um, the Kepra, the beetle, the only thing that the ancestors used that for was for the concept of evolution. No. 
I would say, based upon the jewel that you hit me with, and even the book that he had brought onto this Feet on the Ground program he was on, that show improved. And uh, the little bit of information I got so far on what the ancestors were dealing with would let me know that, in fact, yes, the beetle uh, kept was uh, a test animal of our ancestors and that our ancestors had understood that property, particularly that property of levitation where you had mentioned how the cracker had uh, used the wing uh, from the beetle, saw how it could suspend itself, and I'm going to call it suspended itself in animation, uh, hovering, and it's trying to come up with a hoverboard. Mm-hmm. And it just showed to me the, the narrowness of Bistro's uh, perspective from the information that he is digesting. Man, and there's no way in the world I could tell them that them beetles' wings do no shit like that. You know how crazy them is? Oh, man. There's no way. There's no way I could tell them. Listen, man, them beetle wings got properties that make them levitate. They're swerving down. Uh, I've lost my mind. I'm in a pseudo zone. I'll be pseudo all time. Well, I know you wouldn't be, because I know I got a couple, one book in particular, and this is Ivan Van, I believe it's Ivan Van Sertima, where it was put out there that there was information how the ancestors had used a form of levitation with some of the building of the pyramids, that it wasn't all uh, workers on that level like that either. Now, this sounds out so out there. When I read it back in the day, I'm like, huh? But this shit with the hoverboard, the beetle wing, knowing its place in terms of civilism and our ancestors' information, artwork, please. Knowing how they had discovered magnetism, uh, come on now, it's not so far-fetched. And I will argue that this cracker has been studying our, our ancestor history, either directly or indirectly through people like Madame Bl- uh, Blavatsky, whatever that bitch name is, that cracker beast bitch, and some other people, you know, along that line. You know, the, uh, and you know, you're saying that uh, after after um, watching the video and reading up on the Russian bull who, who who created that levitation box, man, I got to say that he knew what the fuck he was doing. That that shit wasn't, and one old bunch of Fake shit. And he understood what he was doing, and that there was a, a definitely real power because it, it was a real power going on. Then you seen that ask yourself about. Then you start to ask yourself about the different. Um, the different beetles and how they do have motion 
and how the, the white boy was so he did he wouldn't even tell the species the Beatles because he was afraid that they'd take it and kill the jokers all. Now I got to really um, I, I I'm I really want to get a couple more folks on this because um, that led that information that I had got. I was led to that through Brother Little and the information. Did you watch that video with the white woman talking about the Twin Towers? No, Finn. Can you please post that again for me? Listen, also hit me with the video on the Beetle joint. That, that shit there, too. All right. All right I, I will make it my business. I will not let tomorrow go by without me watching that. Both of them. Mm. And also um, that Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, the Chuck E. Cheese is also. Yeah, do that. Yeah, um, let me, let me look, let me look for that real quick. Damn. Um, I look forward to um, Brother Raheiru and Brother Little Wong, you know, coming home. Not that they left home, but, you know, making their presence known on, on the show. That's what I mean. Yeah. Um, damn, I, what in the hell? Oh, here we go. Brother Little. Oh, yeah, that's her. That's her. And I, I got to look for that other video where it's fucking rushing. Can I just type it in, or what would I type in? Yeah, that's what I got. Um, I got. I got this. I got to remember this cracker fucking name. It's like I have his brain. His name, I would. Uh, you know, I wasn't watching it for his name and shit. I'm watching it for the information. I wasn't even. Oh man, fuck. Oh, Grabenikov. Yeah, Grabenikov. The man named Grabenikov from Russia. Yeah, Victor Grabenikov. I don't know if this is the right one. Shit, Brother Bond, would you mind posting that in, uh, get on the ground? Yeah, I'm also posting it back in there. All right. Oh, so then the woman said they go back there? Oh, yes, so they, they go back there.
184 Dixwell Avenue. We're making that happen. Also, next Saturday, we'll be giving out coats to 184 Dixwell Avenue. We had a coat drive going on. So, uh, with that being said, though, we'd like to thank everybody for coming out. You know what I mean? Um, been wonderful. It's been on the ground radio. We'll be coming back next Tuesday with news, news, and more news. That'll be 10 p.m. on the east side, 9 on the west side. I mean, 7 on the west side, the best side. Everybody else will line up in between. Um, so what I'm going to do is we're going to go out the same way that we come in. That's for the praise and that turn and glory to Garvey. Long live the spirit of Dr. Khaled Abdul Muhammad. Praise Harriet Thumman. Glory to Ivy Wells. Long live the spirit of Dr. Francis Cresswell. Be before we end.